We're continuing to speak about the supernatural. And remember, in case you've forgotten, the supernatural is anything that is above and beyond that which is normal or, or what you would recognize as the natural. That's why we call it supernatural, above the natural. And God, if he's anything, is above the natural and the normal. And so here's what you and I need to understand about our Christian faith. Our Christian faith is all about God breaking into our natural world, into our normal normal world, uh, such as it is, and experiencing his trans- transformative work in our life. He changes us. He wants to change us. And this morning, I want to talk about gratitude. I want to talk about the effect, the supernatural effect that gratitude will have on your life. It will change your relationships and I don't know what all the relationships in your life are like, but if your life is like mine, i got to work really hard at maintaining good relationships with all the people in my life. How many know today that you will not have good relationships by accident? It never happens by accident. It happens only when you work hard at it and you really invest in it and you do everything in your power to make sure that you have a good relationship with God. Remember the the vertical and the horizontal, right? So I'm I'm Pope Francis here. (laughs) The vertical relationship and the horizontal relationship, it improves dramatically. In fact, your relationships don't just change, but you change. I'm going to talk about how you change and how exciting it is to live this life that God has called us to live. Now, some of you uh, from your childhood remember enacting the, the, the pilgrims and the Puritans and the reenactment of, of Thanksgiving. And this celebration goes back to 1621 when at Plymouth, Massachusetts, the, the Puritans were giving God thanks for a great harvest, and they invited the American Indians to come and sit at their table, and together they gave thanks to God for a great harvest. It was difficult times, it was a new place, and they recognized that in the midst of this very difficult climate and this world that was brand new to them, they recognized God's hand upon them. Now, here's what I know about all of us. All of us face difficult times. All of us face things that maybe we've never faced before or face struggles we've never faced before or face difficulties with people that we've never faced before. And if we stop to, to actually uh, take a look, take stock, we will discover, if, if we train ourselves to do this, we will discover that, in fact, God is very nearby and helping us in remarkable ways. So why is it that we don't give thanks? Because we do know, we do all understand, even if you're not a believer or a follower of Jesus Christ, you do understand how critical it is to give thanks to God. Uh, Something within us knows that we need to give thanks to God. I believe it's because we are created in the image of God, and giving thanks to God is, is actually... A relational, it's part of that, of the, of the, it's part, it's an aspect of our relationships. It's how we, how we, uh, how we grow and how we understand each other. 1500 years before the Puritans, there's a man by the name of Cicero. Some of you may have heard of him. And he said this. He says, gratitude is not only the greatest virtue, 
It is the parent of all the others. Now, that's pretty good for a pagan, isn't it? Somebody who doesn't, doesn't claim a, a personal relationship with God. Gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, it is the parent of all the other virtues. So history proves it. Every culture and nearly every religion includes thanksgiving for good harvests and you know, for having a family and so on and so forth. It's who we are. We understand it. But the problem is, is that we don't always practice it. Now, what you and I need to do as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, is we need to understand that when we look at how God has worked in our lives and looked, if we look at the, the history of God's actions among his people, what we see is that there's an p- actual pattern of his wonderful works in our lives. And it's for this reason that the psalmist comes along and gives very clear instructions. He says, give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. He says that over 60 times in the Psalms. In fact, if you look at the Old Testament and in the New, the admonition to give thanks and to give praise I mean, I stopped, I, I, after hundreds of, of, of counting the scripture verses that say, give thanks, give thanks. I mean, I just gave up. It's, it's hundreds and hundreds of times. So what you need and I need to understand about our faith is that ours is a faith that's, that showcases, that, that focuses on the importance of saying, thank you, God. Thank you. Now, when's the last time you said thanks to the Lord? Well, that's good. Uh, yeah, yesterday. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah. I'll tell you what we will normally do. We'll normally complain before we'll give thanks. I mean, you know what I'm saying? We'll complain uh, that somebody cut us off. We'll complain about our car. We'll complain about the, the streets, the roads. I would, I, would, I would challenge you to rethink what you think about your car and rethink about what you think of the roads in Winnipeg here. I know you think it's terrible with the potholes, right? I challenge you to go to Africa and try to, try to ride in a vehicle there down the roads in Africa. And then suddenly you'll say, wow, God, thank you so much that we live in such a rich country. Winnipeg, folks, it looks like the, the best city in the world when you put it against many African countries. But we are complainers by nature. We don't want to say thank you. We, in fact, in fact, have an entitlement attitude. I want to read to you a passage of scripture from Luke chapter uh, 17. And here's what it says here. It says, uh, this is Luke chapter 17, starting at verse 11. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, these ten lepers, they had to stand at a distance because that was the law. We didn't want this leprosy to spread. So they, standing at a distance, they recognized that Jesus is the great healer. His reputation has gone before him. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them... When he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, look at this, thanking him for what he had done. 
And then the writer of, of this uh, gospel, Luke, he says, this man was a Samaritan. Just kind of threw that in there. What was that about? This man was a Samaritan. And then Jesus said, didn't I heal ten? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? He was a a Samaritan. And the Jews recognized that these Samaritans were foreigners. In other words, this foreigner who did not grow up as, as an Israelite and presumably was not taught what the psalmist taught to give thanks to God is the one that actually gives thanks to God. Jesus is making a point. And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, Paul understands the power of thanksgiving. And in this letter to the, to the Colossians, Paul gives simple instructions on what, they really, what it really means to be a Christian. Look at this verse here in Colossians 3.10. Paul says this to the believers in Colossae. He says, put on your new nature. Everybody understands what the new nature is? The old nature is complaining and whining and grumbling and miserable and sinful and self-centered and, uh, and is far from God. But Paul says, put on your new nature. If you're a believer, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator, become like him. The question is this this morning is, how, how are we renewed? We put it on this new nature and actually living that transformed life. Because here's what I know about, and you know this too, is so many of us, it's so easy to read scripture, to listen to the, t- the Christian TV programs, read the books, fill our heads with, with information, but never be transformed. And Paul is saying essentially this. Your Christianity, your so-called religion, your so-called Christianity is a fraud if you are not changed. If your attitude is not changed and if your speech is not changed. And we're going to talk about more of that in just a moment. So what is it and who is it that we're trying to imitate? Who is it that we need, whose nature is it that we need to be like? And of course, it's, it's the creator. In fact, Paul says we need to become like God. Now, can you just stop and think about this for a moment? Could you imagine God being a gossip? He's, hey, Michael, come here. You can say, Deb, oh, brother. Or Alan, my goodness. I mean, look at this guy. He could stand to lose some weight, couldn't he? I can't believe that Alan has has stumbled once again. I can't believe that Alan has got a bad attitude after all these years of being a Christian. You think he would know better. That's not God. But that's us so often. We, we complain, we grumble, we gossip, we talk about people behind their backs. We, in fact, do not have the gratitude that transforms us. And the Apostle Paul needs to teach the believers in Colossae, what it really means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you a question this morning. What kind of stuff comes out of your mouth? Are you a whiner? Are you a complainer? Are you a grumbler? Are you a backstabber? Are you talking about people behind your back? And here's, here's what I hear all the time. You know, I'm, I don't mean to gossip, but you know, this, is, this is a prayer request. Just wondering if you could pray about this. 
So now we've got an excuse to tell, tell person, a person what's, what's bothering us. Or, you know, I don't, mean, I, I don't mean to attack the pastor. I don't mean to attack his leadership. But, you know, there's certain things that, you know, he really needs to, to think about and to change. And so on and so forth. I don't, mean to, I don't mean to complain about my mother. I don't mean to complain about my children. I don't mean to complain about my spouse. But here it is. I remember visiting an elderly lady. I mean, this was her. This, she would say this all the time whenever I would visit her. And by the way, she's not here today, so don't panic. <laughs> elderly ladies. <laughs> she would say, you know, I really should not have said this, but, and then I'm out with it. Every single time I visited, I mean, that would come out maybe four, five, six times in every visit. I really should not have said this, but blah. Okay, so you really, if you really should not have say something, then you really shouldn't ought to say something. And this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. Put on your new nature. Put away that old nature that makes excuses for your bad nature. Be renewed. Look at this. This word renewed is transformed. Be transformed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So folks, listen, what do we do? What do we need to do in order to become like our creator? What do we need to do in order to know him? Because some of you, for some of you, your faith is kind of flat right now. You've lost the zip. You've lost the fire. You've lost the excitement. You don't have joy in your heart. You don't have peace in your heart. And I want to tell you how you can have a better life. So here it is. Now, just, just, just a reminder to everybody, what's life about? Life is all about? Like, let's say it again. Life is all about? Thank you. That's very important. It's all about our relationship with God and our relationships with one another. So if this is true, if life is all about relationships, which I think most Christians actually believe, if you give them a chance to think it through, if this is true, then the key to a better life is, in fact, better relationships. Someone once said, happy wife, happy life. Ray, you answered that far too quickly. (laughs) And it's just not happy wife, happy life. It's happy children, happy life, happy husband, happy life, happy boss, happy life, so on and so forth. Yeah, everybody gets this. When you've got great relationships, folks, then that means you've got a great life. Now, I want to ask you a question. How much time do you actually spend on your relationships? What is the condition of the relationship with your spouse right now? Would you would you give it a 10 out of 10 or would you say it's a 6 out of 10 or a 5 out of 10? When we do the marriage marriage challenge, the first questions I ask when the couple comes in, I, I say to the man first, how would you rate your marriage on a scale of 1 to 10? I always ask the man first and then the woman, and I'll tell you why. Because almost always... Men are, are dense when it comes to relationships. I'm sorry, I'm a man, I'm admitting it, we're just not good at it. And the man will think, well, I think it's probably 9 out of 10. And I'll see the wife sitting there like this. <laughs> and then I'll say it to her, and how would you rate your marriage on a scale of 1 to 10? She'd say maybe a 6 or a 7. And he looks at her, what? <laughs> I thought it was a 9 or a 10. And she says, you are so out of touch with reality, dear. You don't have a clue. Well, I'm going to tell you today, I'm going to give you the secret, guys, especially, what you can do to make sure that when you say or when you think your marriage is a 9 out of 10, it really is, in fact, a 9 out of 10. In fact, I would say this to you today, that your marriage should always be either a 9 or a 10. It should never get below 9. 
I mean, we've got margin for error there. But if it's below nine, then you've got problems and you need to come and see the pastor and you can call me your marriage coach if you want. I will help you get through this. I can do it. I'm good at this. I've been doing it for a long time. But we need to help you get to the place where you have great relationships. And, and in case you haven't guessed where I'm going with this, I, th- I think you can see where I'm going with this. The key to great relationships is found somewhere in that word gratitude, in which we're going we're gonna to examine. Now, look at this next verse here, Colossians 3.15. So we're, we're reading on in Colossians chapter 3. We get to verse 15, and Paul says this. He says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Can we just stop there for a moment? So we recognize that if we're going to have peace in our relationships, and I I can guarantee you this, if a couple will tell me that they've got peace in their marriage, then that's the couple that will say, my marriage is a 9 out of 10. And I really don't care what the guy says. It's what she says. That's what she's got. She's the best barometer. If I say to her, is your, if you got peace in your marriage, she'll say yes. And then I'll say, well, what's, how do you rate your marriage? She says, well, for sure it's a nine or a 10 out of 10. How do we get that? Because peace is all about having no outstanding personal debts. There's nothing between you and me, Scott. When you and I have peace in our relationship, that means there's nothing between us. We, we love each other. You care about me, I care about you. And we would say, as friends, 10 out of 10. There's peace there. Now, what is it that develops that kind of peace in our life? Well, I'm really glad you asked that question because the rest of that verse, those four words, tell us how we can have peace in our life. And look at this, folks. It's an attitude adjustment. Look at this. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Watch, and what what comes next? And always be thankful. So how is it that we're going to have this kind of peace in our life? How How is it that I'm going to say, I've got a 10 out of 10 relationship with my wife? Well, there's got to be peace. How do I, how do I produce that kind of peace in my life? Well, The secret is gratitude. It's learning how to say thank you and to see the good things in your husband or your wife or your children. Look at how many of you as parents, you're more apt to tell your kids when they get it wrong than when they get it right. When's the last time you said to your kids, listen, I mean, their, their room is a mess. They're not doing good in their, in their schoolwork. Chores aren't getting done. But there must be something in the midst of all of that that they're doing right. But we think, we think to ourselves, well, if I tell him he's doing good, then he's going to think that he's scoring 10 on everything. So I'm, not going, to, I'm going to hold back the praise, and I'm just going to keep scolding him and scolding him and scolding him. What do you think that's going to produce? It's not going to produce peace, I'll tell you that. He's going to resent you and hate you more and more and more. Wives, your husbands aren't getting it right. You're going to be tempted to keep scolding them and tell them where they're getting it wrong and, and, and withhold affection and cross your arms and scowl and... And say, well, if he can't figure it out, that's his problem. I have not yet met a man that knows how to read minds. And ladies, before you get too uppity, I haven't met any ladies that can read minds either. What has to happen, folks, is that there's got to be some sort of an expression of love. 
and the expression of love that we express to one another are expressions of gratitude. We say thank you. It's something that we try to do in our home all the time. My daughter's sitting here. You can ask her after, is it true or is he just putting it on? It's true. I say thank you to Sarah. I drive Sarah to school. She never takes it for granted. She says thank you. Thanks, Dad. Thank you for the ride. And so on and so forth. And we've, we've developed an ethos in our home, a culture in our home, where we have learned to say thank you to one another. And in doing so, folks, guess what? There's peace in our home. I'm telling you, folks, it's like magic. It's supernatural. So here's what I know. I know this right now. You are doing one of two things in your life. You are either taking and never giving thanks because it's not enough. It's not good enough. And many of us have that attitude. You know, he's not good enough. My husband's not doing good enough. And when he does better, then, then I'll tell him how much I love him and how proud I am of him. Or vice versa. And you've got no peace in your life. Or you're doing the other thing. You're saying thank you. You're expressing real gratitude. And because you're saying thank you and expressing gratitude on an ongoing basis, here's what's beginning to happen. The other person that you, every time you catch them doing right and you focus on that thing, guess what it tells them? Keep on doing that thing because whenever I do that thing, I get praised. And it feels good. And what you've got now is you've got a better life, better relationships, and you've got peace happening in your family, in your relationships. All because of what? Because you said thank you. Because you expressed gratitude. Because you acknowledged the good thing that that person did for you. One of the things we tried to do with our kids ever since they were little is to always write a thank you note. Well, they don't get it right 100% of the time, but they always say thank you. They're, it's huge in my home. We, I still, after 26 years of marriage, every time Gloria makes me a good meal, makes me a cup of tea, whatever, I say thank you, thank you, thank you. If she cleans up the house and I come home and I see a beautiful clean house, I'm thank you, it's so nice I come home to this. And vice versa, she does exactly the same thing. Thank you for washing the car. Thank you for cleaning the interior of the car. Thank you for putting gas in the gas tank. Thank you for picking me up. Thank you for driving me there. Thank you for driving me back. Thank you for letting me use the car. And so on and so forth. And you think to yourself, man, this sounds monotonous. But guess what? This is how you have great relationships. This is how you get along with one another. This is how you keep the wheels greased so that things keep running smoothly. And some of you, man, your marriages is ground to a halt. And I'd say, get out the oil can of gratitude and start oiling those dried up parts that have ground to a halt. Gratitude, folks, is supernatural because it's against what's natural. Our natural tendency is to complain and whine and not to say thank you. Do you know Dr. Robert Emmons is a professor of psychology? Here's what he says. He says, gratitude consists of two things. First of all, it consists of affirmation. In other words, uh, you're affirming that something good has happened to you. You acknowledge it. So if someone makes you a supper, you're saying Thank you. How many kids sit down to eat? They don't say thank you to God, and they don't say thank you to anybody. How many of us are like that? We, don't, we, we fail to recognize God's goodness. 
So Dr. Eman says the first thing you need is you need to actually affirm or recognize something good's happened to you. The second thing you need to do is you need uh, attribution. In other words, what you need to do is you actually need to acknowledge the source. You need to say, I'm thankful for this good thing happening to me, and I'm thankful to my wife or my child or my son or whomever. But you are acknowledging the source. You are actually saying, I'm thankful to God for this. I'm thankful to my wife for this. I'm thankful to my pastor for this. I'm thankful for the people in my church for this. But there is affirmation and there's attribution. Now listen to this. He says, when you and I express that kind of gratitude with affirmation and attribution, here's what happens. Watch this. Again, folks. The Bible has been telling this for thousands of years, and social psychologists and sociologists are just figuring this stuff out now. When you are practicing this kind of, of gratitude, he says, then it produces optimal functioning and flourishing. Everybody knows what flourishing is. That means it's growing and it's healthy and it's alive. It produces a sense of well-being. This is, this is psychology, Observing what happens when people function from a position of gratitude. There's a sense of satisfaction. People are successful, more successful. And there's all studies to, to back all this up. People are happier, they're more satisfied, which leads to doing good things and acts of generosity and compassion and forgiving. They're pro-social. What Dr. Eamons did is he actually got a, a group of people together. He had a... a a group of people he wanted to test. He had his control group, and he had his group that he's testing. And he wanted to see what would happen if people sat down and journaled their gratitude. So every time something good happened, they would write it down. And there were those that didn't have to write anything down. They never had to say thanks. So here's what happened. At the end of the test, he discovered that people were, the ones who were journaling their gratitude, the things that they were thankful for, they were transformed. And that's the, that's the language they used. They were literally changed. And here's what he discovered. Those who journaled their gratitude, the things that they were thankful for, you know, I'm thankful for my mom, I'm thankful for my dad, I'm thankful for my home, I'm thankful for my car, I'm thankful for my, for I get to go to school. I'm thankful. Those that did that, here's what they discovered. They were more outgoing, they were more generous, they were more helpful, they were more charitable. Those who practiced gratitude. And not only that, at the end of the study, those keeping a journal were a whopping 25% happier than the control group. Huge. And just, and, and they said, we don't understand this part, but we got to add it. He says, and, and by the way, on average, those who were journaling gratitude, they tended to exercise 40, 40 minutes more per week than the control group. Look at that. So if, you, if you're struggling and you, you, you know you need to go exercise, start expressing gratitude and you'll find yourself magically arriving at the gym, I guess. I don't know. But here's the power, folks, the supernatural aspect of gratitude that's been taught to us in the Scripture. The Scripture tells us hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. The psalmist says, I will give thanks to the Lord and his praise will what? Continually be in my mouth. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We are people who are transformed because of our gratitude. Now, here's the interesting thing as well. Those, have you ever heard of sociopathy? Those who are psychopaths or sociopaths, they discover that, that the, the, the thing that is common to both of these types of people is that they uh, do not 
or somehow cannot express gratitude. They're an ungrateful kind of people. Now, listen to this. I think everybody is, un, is familiar with that term karma. Have you heard that term karma? It's like you get whatever you give. I mean, Christian, people who are not Christians, they know what karma is, and they understand that, and they, it makes sense to them. Even people who are not religious, they, they'll say, oh, it's karma. When something, when something happens bad to somebody who's bad, they ah, that's karma. <laughs> God, we, God even. Well, guess what, folks? It's also a biblical, <laughs> a biblical teaching as well. The Bible says we reap what we sow. So here's the thing. If you and I are expressing gratitude, if you and I are sowing seeds of gratitude, then we will reap it in our lives. Most people understand that when a person is ungrateful, when a person does not give thanks, that that is a bad thing. In fact, you'll hear people say, that guy, he's an ungrateful bleepity bleep bleep. You know what I'm saying, right? We know that. We understand how important it is to be grateful. So you and I as Christians, if we look at that original verse that we just read, we need to put on the nature of Jesus Christ. We need to put on the nature of our creator. And the nature of our creator is a God who, now this may seem strange to you, is a God who is grateful. Is a God who expresses gratitude. He says thank you to us. He, he expresses his appreciation. He expresses his pleasure to us. And the Apostle Paul understood that. In Galatians 1.10, he says, I'm not trying to find the gratitude or the pleasure of man. I'm trying to find God's pleasure. I'm trying to find his gratitude. So then how is it that gratitude affects us? Well, Dr. Eamon says that gratitude has the strongest link to mental well-being than any other character trait. Isn't that interesting? Gratitude has the strongest link to mental well-being than any other character trait. So, so, and you know that. If you've dealt with a person with, with mental problems, you know that, that gratitude just not, does not, almost is non-existent. But if you're struggling, if you, if you're struggling today with, you know, with maybe a tendency toward depression or a tendency towards other issues, here's what you need to do, is you need to get in the habit of expressing gratitude. You say, well, Pastor Allen, I don't always remember to say thank you. Well, that's easy. Put up a sign on the refrigerator, put up a sign on the wall in big letters, say thank you, say thank you. Put it on the, on the bathroom mirror, put it, write it on your hand, David, say thank you. Let it change your life. And watch, folks, what happens. Because when you say thank you, when you express gratitude, literally something supernatural begins to happen. Now, not only does it improve your relationships, but actually, folks, it improves the fellowship that you're going to have with other believers. It's going to make you stay connected. And it begins in your home. We just talked about small groups here. Do you know that the original small group was the family unit? This was God's idea. God knows that we need to be in fellowship with people. God knows that we need to be connected to one another. Look what it says here in Colossians 3.16. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Look at this. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Now, Paul's telling us this over and over and over again. Say thank you, say thank you, have thankful hearts, express gratitude, so on and so forth. Now, here's the thing. Paul assumes that everybody that he's talking to is actually part of a family or part of a small group, but they're connected. Now, what happens? What should be happening, folks, in the context of your family, in the context of your small group, in the context of your fellowship? 
Because all of us are, are in fellowship. We've got our group of friends. We've got our group of people that we're with. And it may be our children. It may be maybe our best friends that we see on a regular basis. It may be the, the group we hang out with at the coffee shop or the people that we minister with on, on whatever day of the week. What happens in this small group? Well, according to Paul, there's teaching going on. There's counseling, instructing each other. There's singing of songs, sharing psalms. And there's gratitude. I'm going to say this. If at your family table... There's no expression of gratitude, but only an expression of, of, of complaining and whining and grumbling. Guess what you are going to produce from that fellowship? You're going to produce the opposite of what you want. You want your kids to grow up and love Jesus. You want the, your friends to love Jesus and to walk with Christ. You want the people that you're ministering to to be on fire for God. But if you're not expressing gratitude in your circles, then you are destroying the people you're in fellowship with. Parents, are you guilty of that? Husbands and wives, are you guilty of destroying each other? Are you, just, are you guilty of destroying the people that you're trying to do ministry with by grumbling and complaining and whining and that's no good and this is no good and that's bad and she's no good and on and on and on. And you wonder why your kids grow up and think, Christianity, what a crock. Bunch of baloney. I'm going to tell you folks, your kids' Christianity begins in your home. It doesn't begin in Sunday school. It begins with you in your home. If you want a strong marriage, it begins with you expressing gratitude to one another. But it's not just your relationship with each other that matters. It's also the group of people that you socialize with and that you worship with. No wonder some churches are dying and some churches are falling apart. Because when people get together, rather than than giving glory to God, they sit and whine and complain and they grumble and that's no good and this is no good and she's no good and that's stupid and he's dumb and, and so on and so forth. So here's what I'd like you to do based on this scripture verse. I don't know when you're having your Thanksgiving dinner, um, but assuming you're having it today or tomorrow or sometime in the course of the week or whoever it is that you're spending time with, could I ask you to do something? Could I ask you to invite the supernatural into your fellowship? Invite the supernatural to your, your dining room table and take a moment to give thanks to God for something. Take a moment to thank the people at the table, to praise them for something, to express gratitude. Do you know there's mothers that cook these meals, they spend hours and hours and hours, and nobody stops to say, hey, thank you for, for sweating it out at the, in the kitchen. Thank you for basting that turkey, for stuffing that turkey. Thank you for making candied yams. Thank you for whatever it is that you're making. Thank you. I don't like this kind of salad. Who ever heard of putting walnuts in a salad? I'm not eating that garbage. <laughs> These potatoes have got lumps in it. I'm not eating that. This gravy's tasteless. And you can just see this poor woman and busted her butt and trying to prepare a wonderful meal, and all everybody's doing is just whining and complaining. I'm not eating that. Or I already ate. I don't need it. I'm... And then we wonder why our marriages are falling apart, our families are falling apart, our churches are falling apart, our ministries are falling apart, our friendships are falling apart. The people that know us, they look at us and they don't see Jesus. Gratitude. Gratitude is a game changer. It changes everything. You know, I was thinking about my grandma. 
remember saying to my grandma not too long before she died, and you've heard, I think some of you heard me say this before, but I really, really worked hard at taking care of her. I did so much for her. Never paid me for anything. I didn't want anything. And took her grocery shopping. But you know what? She never, ever said thank you. Ever. And I, I look back and I, I, I know that what I was trying to do is I was trying to win a thank you from her. I worked so hard trying to be blessed, get a blessing from her. And we're all like that. With the people in our lives, we want to get a blessing from our husband. We want to get a blessing from our wife. Our kids want to get a blessing from their parents. Thank you. Well done. That's good. I appreciate that. I remember one day finally feeling so, you know, so down about it. I, I stopped my grandma and I said to her, Grandma, don't you think I've been good to you? She'd call me up. I'd come all the way from Charles and she'd say, can you go buy me a banana? Ah, banana? Not bananas? And milk? Did something else? No, just, I just need a banana. So you call me from Charles to get you a banana. Okay, I'll do that for you, Grandma, because I love you. I sit down with her and I say to her, Grandma, am I not the best grandson you could possibly ever hope for or wish for? She started laughing. <laughs> started laughing. I said, No, seriously. You need to say, Alan, you're a good grandson, and I appreciate you. Can, you. can you say that? Well, you know what? I had her laughing so hard. She was giggling and crying laughing, but she would not say it. She couldn't say it. Now, I'm going to tell you this. That's a handicap, folks. That is a, a, a handicap. And there's so many of us are going through life, and we cannot say thank you. We cannot express gratitude. We cannot bless the people in our lives. And Paul tells us, look, if you want to have a great life, if you want to have a great marriage, great relationship with your kids, if you want to have a great relationship with your circles, with your family, all you have to do is start saying thank you and expressing gratitude. Folks, something supernatural will happen in your life, in your marriage, and in your family, if only you will say it. Jesus says, has not one returned to give God glory? Hasn't one returned? And I'm going to say, you know, I, my experience in ministry is that there are givers and there's takers, and most people are takers. God forbid, or God help us, that we would not be takers only, but that we'd learn to give. And the first thing you need to give is thanks. Thank you. Let's stand together, shall we? Father, thank you so much for your presence here. Thank you, Lord, for the reminder on this Thanksgiving day to say thank you. And for some of us, we've heard this message. We're going to go through the course of the whole day and we're never going to say thank you to anybody and much less we're not going to say thank you to you. God, would you deal with each and every one of us right here, right now and give us the courage to do what might be very difficult for us. We're not in the habit of saying thank you. God, help us now, we pray to change our attitude and change the way we deal with one another. Help us, Lord, most of all, to give expressions of thanks to you and to learn to get in the habit of saying thank you to one another. God, forgive us for our whining and our complaining because our whining and complaining, frankly, has overwhelmed all gratitude and our hearts have grown hard and cold. We have no peace. We have no relationship with one another. 
And we need that today, God. We pray in Jesus' name for a supernatural work of your spirit in our hearts and lives. And we know, God, that your spirit will move powerly, powerfully and mightily in us if we would just say thank you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Everyone said it? Okay, we're going to practice right now. You're gonna, a little practice. You're, you're going to turn to the person beside you. You're going to say, thank you for coming to church today. Your smile makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs>